They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menswar. Time. Time. It's just the background part <laughs> of the John Oates edition. Listen, if Tom Peters is just going to give us five thoughts, there's no other room for us to be taking no. up airspace. We can't afford the royalties to pay both Hall and Oates, but today you just get Oates. <laughs> this was what we had to do is our approach to the, to the season ender Tom Peters episode was yeah. we have to approach this through the, through the eyes of John Oates. Yes. I think you'd be super proud. I agree. Welcome everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on the season finale of mm-hmm. Fonts That Rock. It is the podcast that is about exchanging normally two pieces of life-changing advice. <laughs> Tom said, I'm not doing that. I'm giving you five and you're going to like it. So we've squeezed that into whatever time Tom gave us is basically how that works. Thoughts at Rock also helps support Cannonball Kids Cancer. Yep, yep. I know if you've been listening to the show at all, not just this season, but since the very start, we've supported them. We help them in their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who basically have run out of options. And this is where CK see steps in they're amazing yep if you want to see what they do you got to go and check them out at cannonballkidscancer.org listen if you like the show mm-hmm. could you take a moment and shake it up <laughs> oh, uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> i thought we were we were back in back in with take, the backup vocals take a moment and give us the oats will you yes Yes. That background five stars that make it what it is, that's what we want. Leave a leave a woe. <laughs> leave a leave a background vocal if you will of your uh, how you feel about this show and uh, we would just be deeply grateful for your time and efforts. Yeah, and you know what it does? It helps Cannibal Kids Cancer. The more people that does. check out our show and subscribe, we donate cash to those guys. So, it's true. Yeah. Truth. All, all oats are welcome is basically what you're saying. I don't even know what that means. Even Quaker oats? Y- sure. Hello there. <laughs> is that what a Quaker sounds like? I don't know. I just offended an entire group of people. I'm sure. Apparently. Hello there. Hey, it's a Quaker oats. <laughs> Apparently they're <laughs> Irish. a leprechaun. They're Quaker leprechauns are this very rare breed. <laughs> they are. But when you find one, woo. you never get me lucky charms. <laughs> <laughs> my lucky charms in my oats. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Listen, we know how busy you are. And grabbing a, a, a little moment, a nugget, we like to say, of wisdom that could really make your life better. Amp it up, we like to say. Yes. Those are super hard to come by, like yep. one of those those uh, leprechauns that like you're talking Quaker about. Quaker oats, like lucky charms. charms. Yes. Mashup. Honestly, though, it doesn't matter what you're doing right nope. now. You could be, for instance, mm-hmm. I don't know, zip lining in Machu Picchu. Whee! Maybe you're... Building a replica log cabin out of Swiss rolls. 
Maybe you're lightening your hair with some sun in. Doesn't really matter to us. We just want to be the 30 minutes you've been looking forward to all week. Let's rock. Our guest today is management business guru, Tom Peters, who is the co-author of In Search of Excellence. That is the book that literally changed the way the world does business and is often tagged as the best business book ever written. First and foremost, Tom, welcome to Thoughts That Rock. Thank you for the invitation, and I am delighted to be here. Well, we are just... we, We are. Us as well, even though we're doing this from a distance. And this is... I'll tell you, I we'll just, have. By the way, I just talked to my wife, who's on the road, and I said, "You haven't been gone enough. The dogs can't deal with it when you're away." So, I... <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that that's our world these days. Yes, it is. Well, and we do we do our interviews like this from a distance. We hardly ever have anybody in the studio, so this is this will work out perfectly. And obviously, everybody listening, we will have Tom's full bio in the show notes. We highly encourage everybody to go and check that out. But we, we could not jump right in with that, at least a couple of cool highlights. You know, first off, Tom has written 18 books, uh, has over 10 million copies and sales on those, and, and still is just at the forefront of the management leadership industry. He's written something like 600 syndicated columns, Brian. I don't just know if you few, knew that. Just, just, a, a, just a couple. Um, CNN said, while most business gurus milk the same mantra for all it's worth, the one-man brand called Tom Peters is still reinventing himself. Tom's bedrock belief, execution is strategy. It's all about the people and the doing, not the talking and the theory. I love that quote. In November 2017, Tom received the Thinker's 50 Lifetime Achievement Award. And I'll tell you, um, you know, Tom would not know this, but he is one of my literary heroes. I mean, he's the catalyst really for me writing my first book, Culture That Rocks, I actually give credit to him in that book. And so I can't tell you out of a lot of the guests we've had on the show in the last two and a half, three years, we're pretty stoked to have you on. So thank you once again, Tom Peters. Well, as I said, thank you for the invitation. It is a delight to have a chance to chat. We've had astronauts, we've had movie stars, rock stars, uh, you know, you name it. And this what are, you, is, are you just trying to intimidate me? Is that <laughs> yes. the one? Well, we're just saying that this is our, you know, a couple. Well, it might be our biggest guest. Our 150, 120 of these we've done so far with some pretty amazing people. And the most amazingest, is that a word, uh, is, is today with Tom Peters. So we are incredibly excited to jump into your thought. Listen. So, so, so I hang in there with the astronauts. You do. <laughs> you, you, know, you do. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to have that conversation after a drink. Um, yes. But the uh, we literally we have a format, right? And yeah. we were like, this is typically what we do. We share a piece of uh, a thought that rocks, right? And, and people get it. And we call and we were trying to work with Tom. And what was going to happen? Tom's like, listen, I got more than one. Yeah. <laughs> so. Welcome to the Tom Peters it's episode. It's the Tom Peters show. <laughs> it it's not just today. the episode, it's it the is. show. It is. But, but we're lucky to have you for a half an hour. So we'll take all the, the wisdom, the, the little bits of uh, leadership nuggets that you can share. So as you probably can imagine, Tom, we do things a little bit different. We're not doing a whole background interview. We just like to get right to the heart of the advice. So right. we know you got a lot to share with us. So we're going to leave the floor open to you. What are your thoughts that rock? Thoughts that rock. That CNN was wrong <laughs> on, the, <laughs> on the reinventing thing. 
<laughs> I, in fact, have a new book out that's called Excellence Now, Extreme Humanism. And in the beginning of the book, I say, look, I'm greedy. Buy all 18 of my books. Yes. I'm delighted to pocket the royalties. <laughs> but the honest to God truth is they all say the same thing. And I really do mean that to a significant degree. Um, you know, the, the two words are people first. Yeah. And the three words in the way I do it in print is people, all capital letters, really first. Mm. Um, and my great frustration, you know, as I said in the new book, I've been saying this for 43 years. Um, and obviously, you guys, me guy, uh, we've made some dents. Yep. But the reality is that we haven't gotten as far as we'd like to go. And there are too many people for many reasons who don't do the people first thing. I do want to say one thing, and this I think really applies to your listeners. The quote unquote business guru world, uh, I don't really like the term, but I understand it, uh, has this habit of focusing on the Fortune 500. Yeah. The reality is they employ 8% of us. 92% of us work in the so-called SME, small and medium-sized enterprises. Mm. And there are millions upon millions of small businesses that do this stuff right. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, the saving remnant, the, you know, the, 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 great, the great gift. Uh, let me just tell you a story. Happened a long time ago last night, actually. <laughs> And if I, you're back to your one idea. If I could convey this, I would be the happiest person in the world. So there's a really great restaurant, seafood restaurant near where I live, about 15 miles. Um, and despite the fact that they now have some people inside, uh, my wife and I still do the, you know, order, order over the internet thing. And so I went down last night and it's Mother's Day, and they're not used to having a lot of people in the restaurant, and so they were a bit flustered, yeah. and they were running a bit late, okay? Uh, which that's, I'm cool with that. Good God, on any dimension known to humankind. And so they said, look, it's going to take a couple extra minutes. We're sorry we're not on schedule. There were a couple people behind me, and they were really grouching about it. Well, you know, we really ordered this for 6 o'clock, and we don't want to wait until 6.15. And I just said, this is my mother's training, not my writing. I said, hey, I saw one of the guys who was a supervisor. I said, hey, this is madness. You're not used to this. All of your people are busting your ass. Thank you. And that was the end of it, and that's kind of who I am that has nothing to do with my writing. That's the only damn thing I said. And when they brought my food to, to me, they gave me a $100 gift certificate. Wow. Wow. Which is great. I mean, I didn't do anything except, yeah. you know, I mean, and I really want to get this across because, you know, if you're positive to people, if you recognize people, if you acknowledge people, uh, if you say, you know, there's a lot of shit hitting the fan, but you guys are just, you're, I mean, everybody I saw was walking twice as fast as they normally did. And it was mm -hmm. a real first time. Mother's Day was kind of the first time since we've kind of moved out of this thing. And it's not 
that I have a problem, which I guess I do with a couple of people who were not very nice. The real message is to every leader, every individual, all you have to do is behave like a decent human being and people will work their asses off for you. You'll get $100 gift certificates. Oh, and also it is a seafood restaurant. And the guy said, uh, by the way, you didn't order, but I also put a quart of clam chowder in there. Too good. I mean, holy shit. Right. Too good. Uh, and, and, you know, if, if I could get that one, if that came out of today, if you, the three of us could <laughs> yes. you know, reach 1% of the people who are listening right? to it with that story, you know, don't be a jerk. Get a hundred dollar gift certificate. <laughs> well, uh, first off, what I just I mean, heard there is, there is a there is a big issue. Yeah. yeah, and I do like the deal with this, and, and I'm not. I hope to God I'm not, not coming through because it was my mother, uh, and this really involves hiring and promoting. Uh, you kind of need people who get off on people. Yeah, there's this fascinating story on every list of the top medical centers, the Mayo Clinic usually often comes in first or second or what have you. And so, Brant, you are one of God's gifts to humanity as a neurosurgeon. And you're interviewing with Mayo, and I happen to be your interviewer. Mm -hmm. And so we have a 30 or 40 minute interview, and you don't know my dirty little secret. Maybe it's on my iPhone. Maybe it's a pen on my hand. I am counting literally the number of times that you use the word we Mm. and the number of times that you use the word I. Mm. And I do not care if you're God's gift to humanity. If the I's beat the we's, you don't get there. And, you know, in their case, it goes back to 1914 when Dr. Mayo of Mayo Clinic said, we want to practice team medicine. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, as we all know, that's given the, ha- the harried world of hospitals and given the fact that too damn many hospitals have MBAs as CEOs, uh, that's gone by the wayside. There's a, a wonderful book that's not mine that I am recommending to everybody. It is called Compassionomics. It's an awful title, which is what makes it a great title. <laughs> the revolutionary scientific evidence that caring makes a difference. Um, and it's, you know, these guys, two docs wrote it, and they are, excuse my language, tight-ass researchers. Yeah. There's not a comma in that book that doesn't have research backup. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things, it's kind of like the $100 gift certificate. if a doctor is giving bad news, and Brant, you've lived through this, I know, and you know you have my heart and soul in that regard. If a doctor is giving you bad news and he looks you directly in the eye, and this is serious research base, for 37 seconds, complications go down, yep. length of hospital stay goes down, yep. and it's just a human is... Healing is human. Yeah. And uh, what distresses me, and I'm sure you've been through this more recently than than me, this this awful thing. There was an article, I'm near Boston, in the Boston Globe. Nurses now all carry tablets. Yep. 
And all they do is bend their head over any entering data, not because they want to, God only knows. Right. The study they did at Massachusetts General Hospital, MGH, said measured nurse patient eye contact has gone down 75% in the last three years. I believe it. And then the worst part of it, which just plain pisses me off, is and I asked a doc about this, 75% of what the hell they're entering on the tablet is financial data. Yeah. You know, we're going to charge yeah. you an extra seven and a half cents because we had to put an extra sock on. Yep. Uh, and, you know, it, it's sheer madness. But, you know, be nice, get a $100 gift certificate, look somebody in the eye for 37 seconds and the healing is enormously impacted. And they're, you know, I'd love to spend the next three hours with you guys just talking through stories like that. They are yeah. so... So, so powerful. Several years ago, I was doing work with uh, St. Jude's and uh, they have a sort of a small consortium, a cross section of the hospital that they do uh, work with. That's sort of a leadership program. And they come from all different areas and around the hospital. And uh, as I was sort of doing the, the training with them, one of the gentlemen who was there said to me, his name is Michael. He said, uh, yeah, when we're done here, I'd love to show you what I do here at the hospital. And so I said, sure, that'd be great. So we finished the day and we finished up and we're walking down the hall and uh, he's got me intrigued, you know, and, and uh, I said, what do you, what do you do here at, at St. Jude? And he said, well, we, we save lives. And I was like, were we walking into uh, the, the operating room? Like, I have no idea what, where we're about to go. And we sort of work our way through this maze and he opens the door and we're, we're in the kitchen and he stops and he said, this is my station. And he saw, I'm like, I was just this look of bewilderment. I said, I, 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 I guess I'm a little confused. You said we save lives. And he looked at me dead in the eye and he said, when you make a child's last meal, you know what we do here. And I was stunned, stunned. You didn't fall on the floor. Right. And that is, but, but when you communicate a message, uh, uh, you know, a, a a mantra, a purpose that resonates at that level down to the person who is literally making the food to serve to the patients and they get it. uh, It's why they're St. Jude. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I, absolutely. It's, you know, there's a something called the Plain Tree Alliance that works on this humanization of hospitals. And the one I love most is you have to have your rabies certificate. Dogs are allowed into the ICU. Wow. If they really understood cool. that, you know, yeah. if you've got your dog. Yeah. I mean, talk, talk about Talk about enhancing the healing process. Tell me about it. Uh, you know, obviously the dog physiology is such that germs won't be passed to a human being. But I just, it's exactly what you saw. I just, I loved it that they had yeah. thought about that. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing, and I mean, there are a hundred things in their case, but it also goes back to that 37 seconds. They require, and they do it in a lovely way, and it's the way they recruit. Every time a staff member passes a patient, they have to look up and look them in the eye. Just mm. could be, in this case, four-tenths of a second of sure. eye contact. But everybody, you know, is, is looked in the eye. And, and those are, and, and, you know, I mean, the other part of it, to really kind of flip 179 degrees, 
to the world of quote unquote practical business that probably employs most of the people who are listening to us, it's the greatest way in the world to make money and grow the business. Yeah. You know, do it for reasons of altruism. Do it because you're a good human being. But the dirty little secret or the clean little secret is it works. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, it absolutely works. I have this equation. I'm trained as an engineer and we're required to think in equations. And my equation is K equals sign R equals sign P. And the translation is kindness equals repeat business equals profit. You know, and, I, you know, Conrad Hilton, the great hotelier, made somebody, you know, some situation, what's the thing you've learned most in your career? And he said, don't forget to tuck the shower curtain into the bathtub. <laughs> and there are two lessons that you take out of that. Uh, lesson number one, I come to your hotel because of location, 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 and you had a great architect. I come back to your hotel because of the shower curtain. Yeah. And we all know you don't make a penny on the first transaction and you make a penny on the, you know, word of mouth, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the other thing which you triggered with your comment is if don't forget to tuck the shower curtain into the bathtub is the first most important thing that Conrad Hilton learned, then the housekeepers are the most important living human beings oh, in yeah. the hotel. And they do have analysis on that in terms of eye to eye yeah. guest contact, housekeepers win hands down. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's just, again, I, I, uh, I, I just go, I've got another little equation and it's, you know, the, the greater sign and the lesser sign that you see, mm -hmm. it's S greater, greater than B. Small beats big. Uh, there's a wonderful quote, which I love, uh, the American statesman, Henry Clay, courtesies of a small and trivial character are the ones which strike deepest in the grateful and appreciating heart. Mm. And I mean, that's, you know, that ought to be in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, as far as, you know, as far as I'm concerned. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple of, of these. Uh, yeah. The other one I love from the fiction author, Henry James. It's hard to say it without, you know, getting a little choked up. Three things in human life are important. The first is to be kind. The second is to be kind. And the third is mm. to be kind. Yeah. And again, the thing I like to do with what I do for a living is it holds for business as much as it does in the temple or the cathedral or the church. Uh, and it's just, and it just blows me away that people can't make the translation from life, life. Yeah. So, so I got into this on Twitter, uh, you know, is a business family. Now, I understand the degree to which it is not and the degree to which that can be nepotistic crap. Okay, I'm mm -hmm. not an idiot. Yep. Yeah. On the other hand, the thing that I like to point out is unless you were born with a silver spoon, and I was born with a rusty tin one, <laughs> unless you were born with a silver spoon, you are going to spend more hours of your adult 
life at work than yep. you will with even your family. God bless you if you're a wonderful family person. Yeah. But if you throw away, I mean, you you know, stats are the stats. You know, statistically speaking, you know, from the, you know, you're going to be yeah. nine to five, eight conscious hours or nine to seven or what have you. And don't, don't throw it, you, you know, throw those away. You're throwing your life away to a significant degree. And I want you to be a fabulous mother, fabulous father, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, fabulous grandmother, what have you. But, but the reality is you're going to spend your time at work. Yep. Don't piss it away. Look at who I have to work with on a regular basis. Yeah, I know. It's just, I mean, I, I, you it's know, struggle. We all have what's the line? We all have crosses to bear. Yes, right? that's that's my cross. Can can I ask you, Tom? I, I know you said we started off talking about extreme humanism, and you know I love that Henry James quote about be kind, be kind, be kind. Is this sort of your take on it? So you know, a, a modern day version to say, listen, I'm just. I'd be happy if people were just humans. And you wouldn't know this. My background is in hospitality. I was 21 years running training oh. and development for Hard Rock International. And you know those, those moments where, like you, just telling either a server or a manager or the owner how great things are going and how much you appreciate them, man, those are just rare compared to all the other garbage that you might hear. You know, and and for sure, some people are going through obstacles, but in general, People in the hospitality field, and I'll just use that one industry, are just, they are salt of the earth. And if you've got that in your background, it seems like, I may be wrong, but it seems like they're just a little bit more human, that they maybe add a little bit more of that service approach. So I'm interested in your... If we were doing video, you'd watch me laughing. Yes, uh, yes. Some years ago, I was in a United Red Carpet Club. And United had gone through a whole bunch of cuts, and the woman who was running the Red Carpet Club had been an operations person. And we just got into a chat. And in the chat, uh, we both agreed. We said, nobody should ever be allowed into leadership position unless they have service as a busboy, a waiter, a dishwasher housekeeper and, and you know and we were yeah. both standing there there was a line but the two of us were standing there laughing hysterically i was not in the hospitality industry but i did since my parents had no money uh you know i went to a very unprominent little private school but for four years of high school and five years of college uh i waited tables bust yep. and did dishes sure. and you know I frankly, which just so supports what you said, I probably learned more doing that than I yeah. did when I was doing structural engineering. Yeah. I actually saw, I've shared this on the show before, but about 25 years ago, the University of Florida had done a survey of some healthcare executives that were being interviewed up there in North Florida. And, and I don't remember the exact percentage, but what they were basically saying was when we had two light candidates in front of us, maybe almost the exact same background, but one had some hospitality in their background, they were more likely to get the job for the same reasons that we were just saying, that that service mentality, that I am absolutely going to rock your face off in what I'm doing, and it might be loud and crazy and over the top and grandiose, or it might be quiet and small and subtle. It's the little things like the shower curtain tucked in. Like those things seem to matter. So I think that just supports, you know, your, your own story, your own background. My somewhat related in general and certainly at the management leadership level, my, uh, despite your books and my books, my favorite book of the century to date 
has a one word title and the one word title is quiet mm. and it's written by a woman by the name of Susan Cain. And she says, the research is clear. If you're a noisy bugger, I think you're smarter. <laughs> I think you're more physically attractive. I think you're more creative. And the research says almost the opposite. Yes. But, and we, you know, I, I love the book because I, I remember the first speech afterwards. I said, oh, my God, this woman, Susan Cain, wrote a book and she called me an asshole. Yes. <laughs> she called all three of us an asshole. <laughs> it's not the jury, but de facto, because de yeah. facto, by underemphasizing the power of introverts, you're, excuse the language again, you're pissing yeah. away 50% of the population. Yes. And, you know, the research also shows that introverts tend to be better leaders because they do these incredibly weird things like listen. <laughs> yes. You know, I think it's it's interesting. I, gotta, I guess I'm curious on the extreme humanism side. So the work that I do uh, centers around core values, uh, Tom. That's the, that's the, really the centerpiece. And I, I call them black sheep values because like a black sheep's wool can't be dyed. These are values that can't be influenced yeah. or changed, right? And so the idea um, behind helping people discover what these black sheep values are is these are your non-negotiables. These are the things that are going to be the guiding principles of which you'll make your decisions. And knowing that we can't control outcomes, but we can most certainly control the deliberate intention that goes into making decisions. Um, the number, according to what we have, a, we have a assessment that we have administered to five, 6,000 people at this point um, over the last six months. And the, the, the data coming in has been really eye-opening in a bunch of different ways. And, and the number one shared value among all humans is connection. Mm -hmm. And it's connection by a 50% margin to the next closest shared value, which yeah. is authenticity. Um, but when we see that connection is so vitally important to us, how does that factor into extreme humanism? Well, you just defined extreme humanism mm -hmm. to a, you know, to a significant degree. I'll come back to that, but I want to go somewhere slightly different, which is completely consistent. If you want that, hire for it, damn it. Mm. Period. Mm -hmm. There's a guy who runs a biotech company, Peter Miller, I believe is his name, and the company's called Optinos. And he said, we only hire nice people. Mm. And he said, look, he said, some of the degrees which my people have to have are so complicated that you wouldn't even understand the title of the degree. <laughs> yeah. But he said, give me the most obscure degree in the world. And guess what? A lot of people have it. Don't mm -hmm. hire the ones who are jerks. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the connection, connection, connection. I, I completely agree. But the thing that pisses me off is, you know, we're stem crazy in the world right now and that's good mm -hmm. to a significant degree uh but there are extreme limits to stem i mean google did an internal study and you know if google did a study it was so damn tight ass academically that you could whatever <laughs> and they looked at their top employees and their most innovative teams and the top employees had something like seven key factors. The first six were soft. Mm -hmm. Listens, yep. appreciates others, 
Yep. I mean, they were, you know, what, relative to what you just said, they were sure. seven different ways of saying connection. Yeah. You know, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, and when they did the top teams, they found the same thing. And, you know, I can just imagine who's on a Google team. And the number one trait in most innovative teams was no bullying. Mm. And you get eight Stanford or MIT 24 year old computer science graduates making $190,000 a year. Uh, you're looking for bullies, you came to the right place. Yeah. Uh, and I'm being unfair. But, uh, but you know, and, and so I, you know, I just think your research is extreme humanism. Uh, and, and hire for it. And for God's sakes, by an order of magnitude, promote for it. Mm. Period. That's, you know, one of the things I say in the book is, the most important asset of any organization, and it also gets back to hospitality, God knows, is the complete collection of first-line leaders. Mm. You know, the, I was in the Navy for four years. Yep. Uh, the sergeants run the Army and the chief petty officers run the Navy, period. Yep. There was some big deal general, and he said, the role of the commanding officers is to back up their sergeants. And, and the point relative to the hospital or hospitality or what have you, it's not that we don't take the first line supervisor job seriously. It is that we don't take it seriously enough mm-hmm. by an order of magnitude. Uh, and, you know, I'm just rabid, you know, on, on, that, on that topic. Um, I think it's... I, I use the term in, in, in the book and I say, and, and I mean it, I say collection of first line supervisors is the most important strategic asset yeah. Yeah. with a capital A yeah. in the organization. It, and, think, you know, like your research, there's a ton of evidence that says it's the biggest influence on productivity, quality, retention, etc. Yeah. And yet we, you know, we continue to say, you know, we got seven candidates. Who's the one who's most tech savvy? Wrong. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. You know, it, it's it, skills based, you, right? You know, so. If you are, if you come out of MIT or you come out of Stanford, some other reasonably good school, your with your, your tech thing is going to be important for the first three years. Yep. And unless you're a bozo, by year three, you're going to be heading a con a project team. Maybe only seven people and maybe for only six weeks. And the minute you become a project manager, the rest of your life is about people. Yeah. I hire the tech talent. Yeah. But when you're in a leadership position, as I said, year three, age 26, nine person team, seven week duration. It is the same as running a bloody hotel. Yep. Yeah. So my question is, so you know, you, you brought up something about really using this to promote from, right? Use, use extreme humanism as the basis for which to, to honor promotions. Um, we're in a results-driven world, right? So, so typically the ones we are seeing who are getting promoted uh, are being promoted based on results and oftentimes solely results, no matter how they chose to get there. Um, oftentimes we have noticed that in those scenarios, the, the way that was chosen to get there has destroyed the culture of the company along the way, because it was only about results. Um, and, and we were you know, talking to uh, 
Dr. Saba Kidwai uh, with Apple uh, recently, and and you know she has a, a doctorate in design thinking, and we were talking about the current state of uh, you know American education and how everything is results based. The funding is results based. Everything is results based, but yet we don't control outcomes. So if we switched it, what would it look like? I, I guess my question is, what does extreme humanism look like? Um, in, in, in replacement of a results-driven economy? Well, the problem with what you just said, as you know, is it's bullshit. Yes. If you want results other than in the short term, you do the culture. Yeah. You know, give me the result. Give me, you know, if you're not, I mean, this goes back to the big corporate world of 90, you know, maximizing profitability in the, for the next 90 days. Uh, you know, there's one of my other favorite topics, and I, I think you guys know it, is more women in yeah. senior management positions. And there's one Harvard study that I refer to, and there were 16 leadership variables. Women outperform men on 14, and a lot of them had to do with things like listening, but the women performed better from a results standpoint. Mm. Mm. They just weren't as loud and cantankerous <laughs> about it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the research is crystal clear. On average, keyword, there yeah. are asshole women and wonderful men, but on average, women are better leaders, better negotiators, better salespeople, and the one I love, they are better investors. Mm -hmm. And my, one of my favorite books, I mean, I love the book, but I love the title. A uh, woman who works for the Mot or senior person at Motley Fool, and she wrote a book, and the title of the book, best title ever, certainly including my own, Warren Buffett Invests Like a Girl <laughs> and Why You Should Too. I love it. <laughs> and the, Well, yeah, get her on the show, for God's sake. Yeah, and, uh, right. And the wonderful thing about it was Buffett hadn't read the book, and he read the book, and he did the first <laughs> Amazon review, and he said, I didn't know I invested like a girl, but I guess I do. <laughs> but but here's the here's the boy-girl difference in investing, okay? Uh, one of you guys is sitting next to me. Your guy, I'm a guy. Uh, you've had a good day, and I've had a mediocre day. And there are only half an hour left when the market's open. And I'll be goddamned if Grant is going to outperform me. I spend the last half hour doing dumb shit, yeah. making long-term <laughs> bets on pieces of crap and so yeah. on. And that's called boys being boys. And what they discovered about the women investors is they're a lot more thoughtful. They don't take risk just for the living hell of it uh, and so on. And they really just beat the crap out of their, their male counterparts. But, you know, the, the thing that's so key is there's nothing soft about it. Yeah. You yeah. want soft, show me your strategic plan. Yeah. Which is usually, and again, I apologize for my language. I was in the Navy for four years. Your strategic <laughs> plan is wall-to-wall -wall shit. Yes. Nine out of ten. We're going to have a seventy-three percent market share. You know, let's just you know what I like to say. You know, maybe I should have been in the hospitality business. Is a lot of incredible things are going to happen in the next ten years, 
but I got to get through tomorrow, dude. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, the whole hotel is full of guests and it could be that AI is going to do this and do that, but you know, just gotta make it to Tuesday first. Absolutely. Uh, I know that we're, uh, we're we're probably close to wrapping up, Tom. I think if we had to sort of put uh, you know rapid fire as to all of your great thoughts, you know, some of the things I wrote down is just be kind, you know, definitely promote women, uh, out prepare the, the competition. And I know you are a voracious reader, and like we said, you've got eighteen books out there. You know, if you sort of had to put all that together that extreme humanism, I think that hits on all of those and it's people first. Yeah. It is people really first. Like people you said, really it's just first. really, it really, it, it, you know, sits with us extremely well. And, uh, you know, we'd love to be able to just even shine a, a white hot spotlight on more of the stuff that you're doing. Where would you like for us to send people if they can check out more of your Tom Peters world? Well, uh, the answer is pretty easy. TomPeters.com. Oh, you um, on that? <laughs> oh, yeah. that Tom Peters. That Tom Peters. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, we've got, for example, we have my slide decks for the last 20. Everything's free. Mm. My slide decks for the last 20 years, all my blog posts. Uh, when the pandemic came along, uh, I decided at one point that I was just sitting on my butt. And so we called around to guys like you and all the podcast people we knew and said, you know, Tom will come and talk about, it was very arrogant in a way, leadership in the time of the pandemic. And I, sure. I do want to, I do want to read something. Um, it's the first page of the new book, but it was what I called that came out of these, uh, you know, these conversations. This is uh, excellent. The COVID-19 Leadership 7. Be kind, be caring, be patient, be forgiving, be positive, be present, and walk in the other person's shoes. Nice. And I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a translation of that. And I haven't done it because I don't have that kind of an organization. But Suppose I had a 10-person group that I was leading, and for practical reason, we, reasons, we had, you know, four or five Zoom meetings a week, uh, and, and we've been doing it for several months, and one of you guys has made every Zoom meeting on time, no question, not missed a meeting, been there in your seats before they start. I'm, I'm giving you a review. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say, look, I hate to say this, but I'm going to give you a little teeny bit of a negative review. I happen to know what's going You know, I'm a boss. I should know what's going on in people's lives. I said, I know that you've got two kids at home. I know that your wife is teaching on the second floor. I know that your mom was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. You shouldn't be on time all the time. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. really going to grade you and say, you know, when shit goes down, yeah. miss the meeting, come late. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's not really a downgrade, but, you know, take care of family, take care of yourself, take care of your community members. Uh, and, and, and again, which I keep going back to in our little conversation, I say that because I believe it, but the person I said that to 
is going to be the most productive person in the organization. Yep. It's like that $100 gift certificate because I treated you like a human being. I acknowledge what's going on in your life. And, you know, I don't want to say it in the way sometimes you do with a phrase you'd kill for me. That's stupid. But you yep. would run through, you yep. know, run through fire. Yep. And so this stuff is wonderful stuff. And it's good business. It is. Uh, and the notion that the two, it's back to your thing. It's we're results oriented around here. Well, let's get down to business. You know, yeah. I don't know what I'm allowed to say in this conversation, but fire those assholes. Yes, yeah. you're allowed. 100%. <laughs> I apologize, 100%. but I'm, I don't want to see them. We're firing every future guest. I want to see my compassionate <laughs> ones. I want to see my connectors. I want to see my women. Yeah. I want to see the people who are late to meetings because, you know, they have problems with a kid or a mom or what have you. Uh, and it's going to build my market share. If not in the next 25 minutes, certainly over the next five years. Yeah. And, you know, I love it, Brant, that you were in the hospitality industry because there is no better example of that. And what's fascinating from the Google study of employees is that what holds in the hotel holds at Google yeah. just as much. Yeah, agreed. Well, what I heard over the last 30 minutes is Tom's buying lunch with that $100 certificate. <laughs> yes. I checked out a long time ago. You want to come out to New Bedford, Mass? Yes. Yeah, oh, that's his backyard. That's, that's Brand's backyard. Manchester, New Hampshire. You get, get a lobster roll together. That's right. never be the same. Yes. Talk about how wicked smart we are. <laughs> oh, I do, yeah, wait a minute, Brand. I have to say one more thing to you. The guy who owns the restaurant ran Hard Rock London. Oh, what was his years. name? Do you remember? I do not remember. I could kill myself. My wife knows his name and I don't. We'll we'll follow <laughs> up with you or Shelly. We'll we'll check, track it check down. out and maybe you can find it on their website. Uh, it is called The Black Whale. Okay. And it is in New Bedford, Mass. All right. And for those who don't know, which is probably a lot of people, me included until I got here, the reason the whale is a big thing is that Moby Dick was written in New Bedford. Ah. So that's why. The least you know, Yeah. Yeah. I love it. But, uh, well, listen, thank you so much, brother. You're a legend. Uh, it has been well worth the wait uh, until you are ready to come on again. When you are ready, you just say the word and it will be the Tom Peters show over and over and over again. Thank you for your time. Well, my, I just want you to know my whole goal was not to be good. It was just to beat out one of those astronauts <laughs> you did you did you, uh, totally, yes. totally, totally. Yeah. we can't have any more astronauts on the show astronauts now. are now on the black competing with neil armstrong for God's <laughs> seriously this has been a great honor and uh, we look forward to just keeping an eye on your journey and thank you for everything you've done for the industry it means a lot thank well you. Thank, thank you guys for all of your work and you know the kind of thing that you're doing you know it it it's really important to, to both of us. I've said to people, you know, they said, do you change people? I said, look, Tony Robbins walks into a room of a thousand people. He expects to change a thousand lives. Yeah. yeah. I give a speech to a thousand people. And if four people walk out of there and say, wow, I think I'm going to look at the world in a different way. I just had a hell of a day. 
Yeah. You know, four, four for a thousand is as good as it gets. And most and of my speeches are four people. One, one I just want to get one. Time, one listener at a time, one customer at a time, that's it. one employee at a time. Yeah. Well, you're two for two here, brother. Yeah, real quick, uh, Shelly uh, just mentioned to us in the chat function, Steve Silverstein is the owner of the Black Whale. Oh, great. Fabulous. And that's exactly who it is. Thank well, you, Shelly. We'll point that into the show notes. Yeah, All right, my friend, thank you once again. Come back anytime. We would absolutely well, love to have you. Well, thanks for the invitation. And uh, I think as you can see, I had a, I had a you know, fabulous time. And again, I am saying it on air. My heart goes out to you, Brad. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate that. Fantastic. We'll talk to you soon. Rock on. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode. Yeah. And if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, whether as a webinar for a virtual event or in person as a conference keynote, contact us directly at thoughtsthatrock.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.